Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. We believe God has a place for you to belong, people to be in community with, and a purpose for you to fulfill. Here is today's message. The Holy Spirit or the Spirit came upon him. And so David and Samuel both had the Holy Spirit come upon them. And the Holy Spirit, of course, came upon them for a purpose. And, and throughout the whole Old Testament, what we see is that, that there were certain people that the Holy Spirit would come upon. And the Holy Spirit would come upon them to perform function. In this case, David is being anointed as king, right? <laughs> How many of you know uh, from the lowest son hanging out with the sheep to king? Pretty big step. Right? That'd be like going from um, uh, courtesy clerk at Fred Meyer to CEO. It's a step, right? It's a journey. And, and, and here, we have, here we have David, who's the least among the brothers, and now he's anointed king. They, they, Samuel literally took a, the way that he would do it is he would take a horn of oil and he'd uncork it. And he'd pour it. When you were anointed in the Old Testament, they would pour the oil over your head and it'd run down your head, through your ears, get on your shoulders. It literally would come over you, right? And it's very symbolic, and we'll talk about that more as we go along in the series. But that oil poured down over David. So the Holy Spirit came upon David to perform the function of the king. We also see how um, we, the Holy Spirit would come on the prophets, Right? And the prophets of old, the, the Spirit of God would come upon them to prophesy. And they would prophesy what the Lord would say to them. Like Samuel. Samuel would have the Lord come upon him. It's kind of funny. I'm reading, the, reading about Samuel this morning and how God's speaking to him. And sometimes I think that we think it's like God going, hey, Mark, hey, this is God. And I'm just going to have a close, you know, it's, and that it's like, like God physically showed up. Right? God didn't physically show up to Samuel. Samuel recognized God's voice. And God spoke to him. Well, how did he do that? Well, we know that God's in heaven, right? So the Holy Spirit was talking to Samuel, right? But so the Spirit would come upon the prophets. And we'd also see how the Spirit would come upon the priests. And all of these are examples of really things that, that God called them to do, Right? to do and fulfill the purpose of God. And, and the reality is, is that none of these people could do what God wanted them to do without the Holy Spirit. The only way David could go from shepherd to king like that was God. How many of you know, right? You know, years ago, I had this friend, and uh, he actually, he, uh, he <laughs> guy was crazy. His name was John, and John believed in tithing his day. So he would get up every morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, and he'd spend the first two hours and 40 minutes in prayer, and he did it every day. This guy was the vice president of the division that I worked for at Fred Meyer, okay? And I was in training and education, so how many of you know you probably have a degree to do that, Right? Um, I worked with people with master's degrees and PhDs, and John graduated high school. 
And John actually went from courtesy clerk to vice president in Fred Meyer. It's crazy, right? It's pretty crazy. You know what? And you know what he would tell you? I can only do what I do because of God. And he would take and he would give that time to the Lord every day because he knew he didn't have the ability to do what he was doing except by the grace of God. Can I tell you, God will call us to do things that we can only do by his power. Amen? In fact, um, uh, Hebrews, it's funny, so we're talking about, okay, we've got, we got the kings and the priests and David and Samuel all in the Old Testament. But you know, actually, Hebrews 8, 8 tells us that as followers of Jesus, right, people who are in the new covenant because of Jesus, that we actually have a better promise. A better promise than what David had. A better promise than what Samuel had. A better promise than what Samson had. And you know what that promise is? Is that we not only get the spirit upon, we get the spirit within. Yeah. That's good news, right? In fact, last week, we looked, right, at John 14, uh, verse 7, which tells us the Holy Spirit would not only dwell, with, he would dwell with us. He would be within us right? He would be within us. In the Old Testament, they only had the Spirit on them. We get the Spirit in us. That's okay. Gay pastor. You know, this is, this is one of the key reasons why I'm calling this, 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 mess, this series of messages the advantage, right? We have an advantage over those who lived before Jesus, we have an advantage. In fact, you know what Joel 2.28 tells us? Joel 2.28 tells us that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. He'd pour his spirit out on all flesh. You know what that means? That means that the Holy Spirit is for everybody. In fact, when we get a little farther down the road in the book of Acts, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a promise in the Holy Spirit that said, about the Holy Spirit that says that, that literally... The Holy Spirit, the gift, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that David and Samuel walked in is for everybody who calls on the name of the Lord. It's for everyone. Talk about a great advantage, right? In the Old Testament, if you were a king or priest or prophet, right, you'd have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. But us as just common believers, we have the same benefit, the same wisdom, the same understanding, the same revelation, the same power, the same anointing. It is ours as New Testament believers. It's a great advantage. The second thing, when the Spirit came upon you in the Old Testament, it was for a specifically given purpose, right? So when the Holy Spirit came upon David to be king, it was upon David to be king. It wasn't upon David to be prophet. It was to be king. When the Spirit of God came on Samuel as a prophet, it wasn't so Samuel could become king. It was so that he only could function in the office as the prophet. As a priest serving in the tabernacle, you had the Spirit of God come on you so that you could serve that role as the priest. You only had the Spirit in limited capacity for the function that God called you to. But you know what's really great? <laughs> is that God gave them that. Gave them that ability, which is incredible, right? And, and it's funny because, you know, the same Spirit that anointed um, David, to be king, anointed Samson to be a great warrior and to avenge Israel's enemies. Same Holy Spirit, different function. It's incredible. But we have to realize 
that if God would give his spirit to empower David, Samuel, Samson, for the purpose that God's called them to, he'll give you the same spirit so that you can fulfill the purpose God's called you to. We don't have to do this on our own ability, right? I don't know about you, but I can't really talk about you. Let me just talk about me. I would not want to do this without the Holy Spirit. I would not. I am not that smart. I mean, and I, I read a lot of books. I study a lot. I, I went to Bible college. Can I tell you, I'm not that smart. There are things that I have to deal with, situations that I get confronted with, things I've got to know how to do that I couldn't know without God, that I couldn't do without him. And the reality is, is that's a place that he wants all of us to live at. Because one of the things that you'll see in the Old Testament is that every single person that God called for a job, he anointed with the spirit to do it. So if God has called you to do something, he will always empower you to do it. We need to get that revelation. Right? That if God has called you to do something, he's going to empower you to do it. It'd be like Zach starting his new job. Starts his new job, goes into work, and they say, okay, you're a credit analyst one. That's the bottom of the pile, by the way. You're a credit analyst one. And so we got some work for you to do, and we want you to evaluate these clients and these files and da 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 and give us your answer. And by the way, there's like all these computer systems you're going to have to know to access information from and all that stuff, and you know, you'll figure it out someday. That'd be stupid, right? No, but instead they're going to say, okay, we're going to set you up, get your password, we're going to show you this is how this works, this is how it functions, this is information you get, and then on this system you do this and this and that, and, then, and they show him and they teach him how to do the job, right? We know how to do that as people, right? When you have a baby, you just don't, you know, when they're, when they're three weeks old, throw them in a high chair and they're flopping over. Right? Throw some peas and carrots on there with a fork. <laughs> Have at it, kiddo. We don't do that. Right? I mean, three weeks is a little early for solid food, just in case you know. I do realize that. Okay? But you know, when they're several months old, you start introducing solid food, and you, f you feed them. Right? And then as they, you know, get a little more motor control, right, you, you put it in their hand. You know, and you put the, the, little, the little plastic one, the little, you know, the handle made for their hand with the little edges of the fork that are not sharp, right, because they're going to miss their mouth, right? And we help them, right? And we teach them how to do it. How come we think that God is not like that? How come we think that God's going to say, okay, I want you to do this, you're on your own, pal? It's crazy, and you know, there are people that they, they think that way. They think that, that God came, saved us, has called us, right, to reach the world, but you're on your own, guys. You'll figure it out. There are people who believe that. Can I tell you? That's not God, right? If God would anoint people for his purposes and empower them by his spirit for their purposes in the Old Testament, surely he would do it now. Right, because you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that we would do greater works than he did. So you, me, we're called to do greater works than what Jesus did. 
Can I just remind you, um, Jesus uh, healed the sick, opened the eyes of the blind, cleansed the leper, hello, rebuked demonic spirits, right? And he said, you and me would do greater works than he did. By the way, do it on your own. He wouldn't do that, would he? So if he empowered David and Samson and Samuel, surely he will empower us. When he has a purpose for us to fulfill, he will empower us to fulfill it. Third thing that we see from these verses is that the Holy Spirit brings supernatural ability with him. We see especially in Samson, right? I mean, he says he tore the lion in half like a goat. Okay, now I can't imagine, I mean, tearing a goat in half. Uh, maybe me and Zach together, right? Poland, we could tear it in half. I know, a really beautiful picture this morning, right? <laughs> but it says that Samson just tore, tore it in half. How do you know that's supernatural? That's supernatural. Can I tell you, God will put his super on your natural. David functioned as king supernaturally. Samson functioned as prophet supernaturally. Yeah, supernaturally, right? And we had, we had um, Samson who functioned as the avenger of Israel supernaturally. God will put his super on our natural. How many think that maybe Paul functioned supernaturally? Well, they said that they would take the sweat cloths off of him and they would lay them on someone and they'd get healed. Does that sound supernatural to you? Right? I mean, <laughs> Paul went from persecuting the church one day to the greatest evangelist of all time the next day. Supernatural. See, we need to realize that God will put his super on our natural to give us abilities that we do not have any other way. You know, God takes that and he puts us on us to do what only he could do. You know, it's funny, years ago, uh, when, uh, when I was in high school, in fact, yesterday was my, yesterday was my sister's uh, 60th birthday party. We went to Weezer, big old Weezer, and uh, went and celebrated her 60th birthday with her. And um, uh, I was amazed looking at everybody and uh, going, these are a bunch of old people. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, they're only a couple years older than me. Um, Uh-oh. Um, but uh, it's funny. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of, of high school because some of these people I, I remember. And... Um, it's interesting because when, when I was in high school, um, I, was a, I was not a perfect child. I'll just put it that way. Um, uh, my parents always thought I was perfect because I was really good at hiding, right? I did everything behind their back, really stealthy, really sneaky. Um, but there was one particular time when um, I, actually was in a, I was actually in an accident. I wrecked a tractor. And... Um, uh, it's really peculiar because this particular tractor, uh, I won't bore you with all the details, but it, it, I rolled it off of an embankment into the Snake River. And um, I basically got pinned um, under this tractor. 
um, the tractor was on top of uh, this foot right here, and um, this foot was tangled up, and where I had gone down, I had caught a tree, a maple tree, and taken a maple tree with me, and my, my legs were kind of tangled underneath the tractor, and there was a, uh, a branch that was about this big around that had, my f had this foot, so I couldn't, I couldn't move it. And I reached down in the midst of that, and it, it, as I was going in, I had cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, you get me out of this, and my life is yours. I, I made that declaration. I remember it clear as day. And I reached down, and I grabbed that green tree branch, and I broke it with my bare hands. Now, I'm a stud, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not that big of a stud. And trust me, when I was a kid, I was not a stud at all. I was a late bloomer. I, mean, I wasn't even competitive until I got into my 30s, and then watch out. And, and it enabled me to pull my foot and put it up underneath my, my bottom and, um, so that I wasn't in the water, and the water level was right here after I pulled that, left, that, that branch out. Can I tell you, that was God's super on my natural. And I believe that that happened because God had a purpose for me to fulfill, and what's crazy is from that day, I can see how he started to orchestrate every step that I took. You know, the word says that all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I didn't even know what I was doing, and I called on the name of the Lord, and he saved me. And he started directing my life, and he put his super on my natural. Can I tell you that we need to realize that, the, you know, the Holy Spirit will give us abilities beyond our own. He'll give you wisdom. He will give you insight. He'll give you understanding that you couldn't have any other way. There are times when he will direct you and lead you to things that you could have never figured out except for him. Amen? And so we see that these, these people in the Old Testament, that God would do that for them, and guess what? He still does it today. God still puts his super on our natural. He hasn't stopped. He hasn't changed. And then uh, my fourth point this morning. I love this one. Just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you're perfect. Doesn't mean that you're perfect. Right? Can I tell you that if you function and operate in the things of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make you better than anybody else? And can I tell you that uh, you're not hindered from receiving the Holy Spirit because you're not perfect? Can I tell you, David was not perfect. David had some problems. Okay? Can we say Bathsheba? Right? He's anointed to be king. He's functioning in the role of king. And then he has an affair with Bathsheba. And he, yeah, yeah, he is married. He's married. He has an affair. And uh, he should be at war, and he's not. He's neglecting his, his, his responsibilities. He's got a whole lot of check marks going against him. And then he gets her pregnant. And then he's trying to pin it on his uh, on, his, on her wife, on Bathsheba's husband, excuse me, on Bathsheba's husband. And so she call, he calls Bathsheba's husband in from the battlefield, hoping that, you know, that he comes home and he'll be happy to see her and do what married people do, right? And uh, he wouldn't do it. It's like, far be it for me to lay with my wife when my men are at war. He was more noble than the king. And since that didn't work, David conceived a plan 
They had him murdered. This is a man operating in the anointing as king. This is a man functioning in the gift of the Holy Spirit. He was not perfect. David was not perfect. And I just want to tell you, church, so many people think you have to have it all together and be perfect to receive everything the Holy Spirit has for you. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit will work and move in your life despite your perfection. Because to be honest, if we're waiting for that, we don't get the Holy Spirit until we go to heaven. Right? One way to make you perfect is make you dead. <laughs> it's true. Right? You know, that's the only day I'm going to be perfect. It's the only day you're going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right. Can I tell you, that's one of the reasons why we need the Holy Spirit. It's to live the life that he's called us to, that we can do it in his empowerment, that he can strengthen us and give us that ability. You know what? David messed up. You know, Samson messed up. But you know what? Yeah, hello. Yeah. Both messed up in the same place, gentlemen. Just saying. Exactly. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Even before. So Psalms 51, 1 through 13, I want you to hear these words of David. Okay, this is after David messed up with Bathsheba. He says this. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be white as, whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away, do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. I love this because here, here it is David's lament of repentance. He, he realizes how bad he is messed up. And as he's lamenting in his repentance, we see that amazingly, the Spirit of God still seems to be active in his life. How do I know that? I know that because the Word tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So even in the midst of his transgressions, he was sensitive to go, okay, God, I know, I sense this, I know this feeling. I know your conviction. I know that I have been in the wrong and so he laments before the Lord. And I love that, that he does not want to see the Holy Spirit removed from him. He still desires the things of God. 
Can I tell you a desire for the things of God only happens by the Spirit? It only happens by the Spirit. You know, because to be honest, we're all selfish. All of us. We don't really desire the things of God. We desire what satisfies us, what what makes us happy. That's what got David in trouble. But it was God's goodness, right? And the power of the Spirit that draw him back to go, God, I've blown it. I need you. Please do not take your spirit from me. Cleanse my sin, right? Make, Make it change on the inside of me. Amen? So even in the midst of his lament, we see the Holy Spirit working in his, in his life. And, and I want you to know that, you know what, you don't have to be perfect to receive the Spirit. You don't have to be. So many people, it's so, many, so funny how so many people think that God will do what God can and will do if they're good enough. Can I tell you it's only by his grace? It's only by his grace, right? Because if we have to wait until we're good enough, it's just not going to happen. I don't know about you, I've tried to be good, right? Santa Claus is watching, (laughs) right? When you're a little, man, the month before Christmas, you're trying to be good with everything on the inside of you, and you couldn't do it, and you knew Santa was coming down the chimney and going to give you stuff. You couldn't even do it for a month. Can I tell you, none of us can do it for a month without him without him. So realize that, you know what? God isn't looking for perfection. God knew David wasn't perfect. God knew Samson wasn't perfect. God knew Samuel wasn't perfect. In fact, there was nobody in the Old Testament that was perfect. There's only been one perfect, and that's Jesus. The rest of us are flawed. And so you need to realize, you know, you do not have to wait to be perfect for God to do something amazing in your life or for God to empower you by his spirit. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for obedience and willingness. Obedience and willingness. In fact, the word says that if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. God gives his goodness to those who are just simply willing and obedient. Amen? And then the fifth thing, in the Old Testament, we see that there was the potential for those men and women of God to lose the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would remove himself. It's how David got to be anointed king, because God removed his spirit from Saul. And the only way Saul could find any peace was when David played, right? And David lamented, God, do not take your spirit from me. See, people could lose the spirit. The Holy Spirit would leave them. God would say, we're done. Can I tell you? In your imperfection, as long as you keep pursuing Jesus, you'll never lose the spirit. The Holy Spirit will never stop working in your life. There's only one way that that'll ever happen as a follower of Jesus. And that is when you say, absolutely no way do I want anything to do with God ever again. It's willful, deliberate rejection of what you know that Christ has done in you. 
It's the only way. That's the only way. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't so. People could lose their anointing. But that's not to say that we can't grieve the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're commanded in Ephesians 4.30 not to grieve the Holy Spirit. There are things that we can do to grieve Him. And you know what? There are things that you can do to make the Holy Spirit go quiet. You know, because one of the things that I talked about last week, I was like, last, yeah, last week, I don't know, I, I keep going over all my notes and I can't remember what I said and what I haven't said, but here's what I'll tell you is that the Holy Spirit, yeah, it was last week, the Holy Spirit, right, is just like Jesus. And Jesus was a gentleman. Jesus never forced himself upon anyone, never forced anyone to do anything. It was always people's choice. And the Holy Spirit operates the same way. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not going to attack you and tell you this is how it's going to be. He's not, right? Holy Spirit's not going to be, you're going to take everything I got and you're going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Right? Sorry. <laughs> I think you needed a shake. I won't say if it was the Holy Spirit or not. Anyway, <laughs> if I was being led or not, I'm just teasing you, sis. But <laughs> you can hear them up here. I teach my kids that I have two roles in their life. I have dad and I have pastor, right? And I tell them not to confuse the two, right? And so they can cop an a little bit of an attitude with me as pastor, but don't do it as dad, Right? And I do my best to speak to them. When I speak to them, I go, this is pastor that's speaking, right? This isn't dad. Because my role in, is, is dual in there. So that's a little conversation they were having right there. But um, you think that was dad? Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but... But there's things that we can do to grieve the Spirit. Whereas in the Old Testament, they would lose, this, lose, this, lose the Holy Spirit. As New Testament followers of Jesus, there's just things that we can do that grieve Him and cause Him to go silent. If He talks to you about an area, and 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 you reject it, and reject it, and reject it, and reject it, He'll go quiet in that area of your life. And then you'll wonder, well, why? Why isn't he speaking to me? Well, you haven't been listening, right? Every time he spoke to you, you didn't, you didn't act in obedience or, or seek his face about it. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says there's actually things that we can do to quench the spirit, right? And it's really interesting as I, I uh, had to know quench. What does that mean, quench? Well, some of you are going, oh, it's kind of obvious, Pastor. But what's interesting is that that word quench means to extinguish. There's things that we can do as children of God that quench God's spirit or extinguish his spirit. And a lot of times you'll see in, in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is referred to as fire. And so really this verse is saying there's things that we can do to put out the fire of the spirit. 
There's things that we can do as a church. There's things that we can do as an individual that say, Holy Spirit, we don't want anything you've got, and we can put you out. That's what this verse tells us. And so we have to be very careful about how we conduct ourselves because he will honor that, right? You know, we can say, you know, I, you know Holy Spirit, we, gosh, we love you, and gosh, we want you to, we want you to bring conviction and save people, but we don't want any more than that. We can do that. We can say, God, we're only going to allow you so far. We can choose that. And God will honor that. He'll honor that. And I know that kind of shakes some people a little bit to think, really? Yeah, really. Really. Did God force you to come to him? Did he force salvation upon you? No, just all of a sudden you realized, I need Jesus. I need what he purchased on the cross. I need that. I need the, the forgiveness of sins. I, I need to be, be justified by faith in him. You realize that, and so you accept, but God didn't force that upon you. He did prompt you, right? Holy Spirit started, you know, just prompting you, and you sensed it, and you're like, mm, he's doing something here. And you were just obedient to it, and that's why you received the fruit of it. Holy Spirit operates the same way. So we need to live in a way that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit and that we don't quench or extinguish the Spirit. Amen? So you see in the contrast between the Old Testament, how God worked and how he moves and works in the New Testament? Are you getting excited about where we're going to go next? Yeah, I am. You know, as we, as we close this morning, I just... Um, I just had a sense this morning as I was praying that there might be some of you here that you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I, I gotta be honest and say that, you know what, the Holy Spirit has dealt with me about some things and, and I keep just pushing him away in this particular area of my life. I, I keep denying and saying, no, no, it's, not, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But he's been, he's been challenging me in an area and, and you realize this morning, you know what? You were either quenching the Spirit or you're, you're, you're grieving the Spirit by your actions. And, and I want to tell you that, that He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to fix this. It's, it's really at your choice. And, and I'm not here to compel anyone or twist anyone's arm. But I know that for me, there's been many times where I've had to step back and go, you know, I'm just not right in this area of my life. And I can sense God dealing with me in that. And I've had to repent, like David lamenting over his decisions that he made. And I'm not saying that anybody here is living like David lived. But I am saying that you're here this morning, you can sense that God is dealing with you, and you know there's a place that you've just been pushing him to the side, but today you need to change that. If that's you, I'm just going to, you know what, worship team, will you come back up? Come back up this morning. Would you lead us in Jesus at the center? But as they, as they come up, if, if that's you this morning, you'd say, you know what, Pastor? I realize that there's an area that I've been 
quenching the, the, the voice of the Spirit in my life, a place where I even grieved Him. If, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you just very humbly, would you just stand up where you're at this morning? There's no condemnation. I would have to answer this call a million times as, as, as I follow Jesus in all authenticity. So if, if that's you, just thank you, Lord. And I'm just going to tell you to do this this morning as we worship to this. And I'm going to ask all of us to stand together. As we worship to this song this morning, will you just declare that over your life, that Jesus, you're the center. I put you back at the center. I open myself up and yield to the Spirit. I'm going to listen and I'm going to obey. Just refocus your heart this morning. Just refocus your heart. And, and you know what? Maybe you're here too this morning and you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I've never, I've never called on the name of Jesus. I've never made him the Lord of my life. Can I just tell you that as we sing this song, you can do that. Just by declaring and meaning it from your heart, Jesus, you're the center. I put you at the center of my life this morning. I believe that you can make that adjustment and, and be made right with him. So if either one of those is you this morning, let's just worship with all of our heart for just a moment. determine that we're going to leave this place being sensitive to your moving, to your leading. And Father, I thank you that today many, many took a step closer. And Father, I thank you that that place that Holy Spirit's gone quiet, they're going to recognize and hear his voice afresh and anew. Father, I just believe that some already hear, they hear you speaking to them right now about the next step, about the change to take. And Father, I thank you that you not only are asking them to do that by your spirit, you're giving them the ability to do it by your spirit, that your power is on them to make those changes. And Father, we just thank you for your incredible goodness to us. We worship you from this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we love you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week. You Thank you for listening to the River's Edge Church podcast. If you would like to know more information about the church, please visit our website at recboise.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram or you can subscribe to our YouTube page at recboise. Thank you for listening.